Welcome to the creative brain of Dean Hawk. Get ready to be challenged, inspired, and equipped to become a better ministry leader. Welcome to the November edition of the Dean Hawk Leadership Podcast. Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I just encourage you to pass this podcast on to any ministry, pastoral friends, and uh, uh, spread the good news. Our uh, summer series is up and available for free download. It's Proverbs Navigating Life. It's an eight-part series taking eight big major themes of the book of Proverbs. And so I'd encourage you to make that a part of your 2023 teaching schedule. Well, we're picking back up where we left off when in part two of the Great Resignation. And what's happening is during the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of people just stayed kind of sheltered in place. They didn't move. They didn't change their jobs. And so as we came out of those COVID, after that first harsh year of COVID, uh, the great resignation started in 2021, we see a lot of people moving. They're changing houses, they're changing jobs, they're changing cities, they're changing churches, and they're even changing friends. And so like in the last two years here at Rock Family Church, we have seen a, a a a lot of transition on our team. We've had uh, four pastoral shifts in the last two years. I'm currently looking for a youth pastor and a worship pastor. If you know anyone in those two categories, let me know. We're still looking there. But we had, of those individuals, we had four full-time positions in transition. Part-time, we had six people transition, a children's assistant, an office assistant, a maintenance, a women's ministry, outreach, and graphic artist. All were positions of change. And then we've had changes in some key leadership of our board and elders as well. And then we're not even talking about the countless shift that we've touched on before of our church members who are shifting, changing. Um, They're not coming as regular as they were. They're not serving as regular as they were. And now for one of the first times uh, in our country, they are saying that in the top three reasons or uh, things that people are choosing and deciding which church they attend is based upon a political view. And so now our church is not just divided by denominations or by race. It's now divided by red churches and blue churches. And I'm the guy that is a neutral church. I have chosen not to get into the political um, arena as a pastor. And we'll talk about that another time as we approach the 2024 election but uh, with all the movement and transition, it would be easy to freak out and, and to begin to say, well, there's something wrong. Dean, there's something wrong with your church with, with all these transitions. Well, here's the facts. In 2021, over 47 million American workers voluntarily left their employers, meaning that 32.7% of the workforce elected to pursue new personal and professional opportunities. The movement, commonly known as the Great Resignation, has rattled American employers and households alike, and I would add it has for the church 
as well. So what I want to address today is with this great resignation, hopefully you haven't had that many staff resignations, but the reality is you've probably gone through some and maybe you yourself are looking for an opportunity to uh, fill a void for a volunteer leader, a part-time leader, or a full-time leader in your uh, team makeup. So first thing I'm going to say is this, is we have to recognize. Recognize this is a sign of the times. And we need to be careful not to overreact, that this is the rhythm of the season. And I, I've chosen to call it not the great resignation, but the great realignment by God, that he's going to shift people and get them in the right place at the right time in in the right setting. Secondly, I see that it's a time of pruning. It's a pruning of our church. It's a pruning of our staff that, uh, and we can choose to, that pruning is either a positive or a negative. And, and yes, when things, when there's something being cut, that can feel like a negative, but I believe it's a, it, the pruning season is to set us up for an even greater return and a greater harvest. Jesus said this in John 15. He said he cuts off, talking about his father, every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he, pr- and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Now, we can choose to be encouraged or discouraged by the process of pruning, but I believe that um, there's there's opportunity for it to advance us and advance the kingdom of God. And one of the things that I have seen um, a lot in a lot of churches that I know of is many, many churches are overstaffed and overspending on staff. And one of the things in this pruning process that you need to ask yourself is, does this position need to be a paid position? Could volunteers or a stipend leader cover this? Could we reduce our overhead when that person left, when that person transitioned? Do we really need to hire somebody? If any of you are uh, aware of CASA, the court-appointed something advocate. Um, uh, it's, it's helping uh, be the, the representative for children who are going through uh, typically custody battles, and, and the CASA volunteer comes in. Well, all of CASA is facilitated in all the courtrooms across the country by volunteers. And their paid people are the ones that oversee, make sure the information is getting distributed, the case files are getting processed and so forth. But the boots on the ground are volunteers that are making it happen. And so when somebody leaves, don't just instantly just say, man, we're whipping out the checkbook, we're going to rehire someone. And then uh, secondly, or thirdly, we need to have faith faith for the future, because God's always going to bring increase. And here's what I believe. God's never going to move someone out and give me someone less. So earlier this fall, my youth pastor got a job opportunity in another state. Uh, He prayed about it. He'd been here eight and a half years, had done a great job for us, uh, but he felt it was time for a, a transition. 
And so we supported him in that transition. And he was a good youth pastor for us for eight years plus. Well, here's what I know. God's not going to, God's not going to take an A game player away from me and bring me a B player. So I'm believing for a, a, a pastor, Matt, plus to come into our team as we're fulfilling those positions. And so if you know any good youth pastors, we'd love to talk to them. But so we have to have faith that this pruning process that the Lord is doing is going to produce a greater harvest. Number four, um, one of the first things we need to do to do when we have a transition is to look internally, to look within our our church members, our leadership, to look within our relationship circles. And our goal as a church is always, our first goal is to always hire from within whenever possible. A transplant always comes from better from a family member to a family member than outside. And so we have just found that if we can raise somebody up in within the body to fulfill that position, they already have our heart, they, they are loyal to the vision, they are called here, they are already serving here, giving here, and we're promoting them to that um, leadership position or potentially that paid staff or pastoral position. And so I have found that we often overlook uh, someone that's maybe right in front of us. And, and, you know, that person doesn't have to have that passion because I go back when we started the church, we're in the, the church a couple months and uh, we had mostly teenagers and families coming and we started to have some children come. And I said, Kim, we don't have anybody yet for kids. She goes, I know, what are we going to do? And I looked at her and I'm like, you're the one I trust. And she did not have a passion for kids. She did not have a calling for children's ministry, but there was a need and she was willing. And watch what God did. She stepped in and started serving and got bitten by a passion and a love for children and children's ministry. And she was our children's pastor for the first 11, 12 years. And she's still the the executive pastor over uh, all of our children's ministry and and just coaches and oversees that area. So it never hurts to ask someone in that situation. Number five, we need to look for alternatives and options. Look for alternatives rather than attempting to replace person A with person B. You know, I have an opening, they've left, now I need to replace it. I have seen over my many, many years of of transitions that um, thinking of one one situation that um, the worship pastor left at a church where I was youth pastor at in Dallas. The worship pastor left, and we were not in a place in a season to hire them back. It was a it was a downturn in the economy, and the pastor said we're going to we're going to disperse his responsibilities. And I, as the youth pastor for a season, was the pastor over worship. Now, thank you, Jesus, I wasn't leading worship, but I was the pastor that oversaw the team and coached them and made sure that the worship encounters were happening in our weekend services. And so um, I know in one situation when we had a worship pastor leave about five years ago, the uh, no, that was about 10 years ago, um, the Holy Spirit said, don't hire anyone. 
and use the leadership that is in place, that is currently leading, that had been in supportive ministry. And there were three individuals, then there were two, and then a young lady named Kate just kind of surfaced to the top, and it became clear she was the one to promote to that position. But we didn't promote her right away. I didn't see it then. I I thought maybe another person might have been the one, but the Lord just said, give it some time, let let it happen there. We had a transition of our women's director for our women's ministry about a year ago, uh, probably about this time. And um, we looked around and we said, you know what? Uh, Pastor Carrie was one of our pastoral staff members. And we talked to her. Do you have the bandwidth? Could you pick this area up? And uh, and so she absorbed that into her already um, uh, solid job description. But here's what I have found. Often staff have a greater bandwidth than they demonstrate or that they believe they can do. And so we'll say, well, hey, take this. Let's see how this runs. Let's give it three months. Let's give this six months. See how that's handled. We keep touching base with them. You know what? I've got it going. I've And here's what all of our staff pastors have done. I've raised up a team. I've raised up a team that's overseeing that. And now they are overseeing the facilitators of ministry. They're not the one that has to lead every meeting, every gathering, and and make every decision. Number six, I would tell you that there is going to come a time that you have to look outward. You're going to have to look beyond your own church. And uh, But the first place I would tell you to look outward in trying to replace people is your personal contacts, your personal acquaintances, people that you know, that somebody you know, know somebody who knows somebody. I have found that some of our best hires have come through the relationship chain versus the open tryouts. Does anyone want to be on my team? And so you can do this. You can get the word out through social media posts. Um, churchstaffing.com is is a good website. It's a small fee for you to post your job posting there. You can spend the big time dollars and and choose one of the headhunters. Um, some things, some some that I'm thinking of are like Vanderblumen or Slingshot or I think Agora Shepherd Staff. There's a number of different ones that are out there that um, you can pay the money and. Some of them you will pay a a very pretty penny. Um, So just be sure and look out. And then when you have a staff transition, be sure and bless them. Just choose to sow them and bless them as they go. Don't get upset. Don't get bitter. Um, Who knows what the future may hold? Uh, One of my friends, a staff pastor, left and they brought him. He was gone for, I think, almost six years, and he ended up coming back and taking on a different role than he was in previously, but taking a key and executive role. And so you never know who's going to come around and come back around. And and I have found this. When you choose to bless something or someone, you take the power out of it to hurt you. Because Jesus said, Pray for those who spitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. And and basically what he's saying is respond in love. Just always respond in love. Why? Because love never fails. But then recognize this, number eight, accusations and overreactions. 
don't be surprised when people overreact and make false assumptions and false accusations. Had this happened to me earlier this fall, if person A, B, and C are leaving, then there must be something wrong with you, Dean, the leadership, and the church. I'm out of here. Never ask, never ask for clarity, just made their own assumption. Well, guess what? I can't impact that or I cannot change that. And so people tend to um, hold church staff to a higher standard than themselves. And the the impact is different at maybe um, a secular job where you work in an office with three to eight people and somebody transitions. Well, guess what? Eight people are impacted. Well, I might have uh, six to eight pastors on my staff, but one of my high visibility pastors uh, or several are in transition. It just doesn't affect our office. I've got a couple thousand armchair quarterbacks saying, what's going on? Why are they leaving? What's happening? What's going on? What's going down? And so you, you need to recognize that. And my response, uh, someone asked, they were, they were like, you're our youth pastor's leaving after eight and a half years, and oh my gosh, why is he leaving? Well, well, here's what I shared. The U.S. Department of Labor's chief evaluation office said that the median number of years that wage and salary workers had been with their current employer as of January 22 was 4.1 years. And here's what I tell people. Have you stayed at your job longer than five years, six years? And they kind of have the attitude, it's okay for me to change jobs, but they don't want a, a church staff or pastoral staff to change or adjust there. And then number nine, if you end up with disgruntled members, just love on them. People are going to leave your church in the midst of your church and staff transitions. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying it's a part of the fact that if they're closely related, closely associated with that person was the anchor reason they're involved. And now that person lives in another state, has moved and and taken another position, they might not be as engaged. Don't be shocked when it happens. And then lastly, number 10, you're going to have to make the hard call sometimes and, and never allow fear to have a voice in your decision-making. Because see, as the leader of the organization, you are required to make the call that's not best for the individual, but what is best for the church. What is best for the church is we need to make this transition. It's not working out. It's not helping the cause of Christ in this current path. And so uh, what I have found over the years is you will lose respect of your entire team team if you allow an underperforming person to stay in a position. And so I think back, I'm going to guess it's been about seven, eight years ago, we had a, um, uh, I'll just leave it generic, we had a staff pastor in a position uh, leading a major department within our church. We had a church-wide event based upon that department. Um, we had thousands of people on campus uh, for this big outreach event. It's all hands, all staff on deck. And guess who was the first person to go home that afternoon when it ended? The person who was in charge of it. And there sits the other 15, 18 staff members finishing, putting away, cleaning up. And the person whose event it was has already gone home. 
They had an apathetic attitude. They they just weren't doing it. And so that person didn't last. If I had allowed that apathy to stay, it would have impacted the whole team. And they would have said, well, why am I trying if, if, if that's the bar? Why, if he's going to let that person stay, why, why should I try? Um, or it would have lost credibility with me. But um, I can tell you that we made that hard decision and God blessed, and and that person has been replaced with some uh, amazing, amazing people that are doing some amazing things here in our church and ministry. And the last thing I want to share is um, uh, from the book called The Ideal Team Player. When you're looking to add someone to your team, it lists three critical components that you're looking for. Now, this is beyond if if it's children's ministry, they know how to do children's ministry. If it's worship ministry, they can sing, they can do the instruments, they can coordinate a team. So it's beyond they have the skill set. But here are three things to look for. Number one, are they hungry? Are they hungry? Are they hungry to be involved? Are they hungry to push things forward? Are they hungry to make it better? Are they hungry for the gifting and the callings that God has given to them. Number two, this is a big one. Are they humble? Are they humble? A lot of people come in with an attitude. I had a youth pastor show up once and he thought he, out of his own mouth a year later, he said, I thought I was God's gift to your church. And he, I didn't realize it, but he had come in pretty proud and he thought he was pretty good at what he did. And, and it didn't work out so well because of that pride got in the way of him growing and him maturing in his career and his calling. And then thirdly, are they people smart? How are they in engaging with others? Do they have good interpersonal uh, people skills? So are they hungry? Are they humble? And are they people smart? I pray that your team is blessed. I pray that God is sending winners to your team. I'm reminded of of the one opportunity that I had uh, was able to sit down at a at a dinner with some pastors and and John Maxwell many many years ago, and he gave me this one piece of advice. He said, "Dean, I pray for God to send winners to my team every day." We pray that prayer because we need help. Um, we need the the Aaron's to lift up our arms. If we're the Moses, um, we need the Aaron's to lift up our arms so that we can can see the battles won. And so we need those winners being added to our team for our outreach, for our our, our church ministry, for uh, everything that God is calling us to do. God is sending winners to our team, winning staff, winning volunteers, and winning members to minister to the people that are hurting, that are broken, that are wounded, that need love, that need God's compassion and salvation. So there you go, guys. Uh, please spread the word. Share this with another pastor friend that you know it would help or encourage. God bless you guys. We will see you uh, next month for another great topic to help you in your local church ministry. Thank you for joining us today. For a free sermon series and teaching outlines by Pastor Dean, visit us at deanhawk.com. Be sure and join us next month as we continue our growth on leadership.